that's a little different than our usual um, theme song. That's actually from, mm -hmm. that's actually the, la uh, the third movement of my piano quintet, um, which is based on the Funky Friday theme. So it's, it's the same, it's the same raw material, same motif, more or less, just uh, it's, a, it's a different transposition and everything. And it goes into this passage. And I play that for a reason. I play that because this is our third episode of the music series that I'm sort of calling Inside the Music or, or um, you know, kind of uh, getting inside the music a little bit. And uh, when we last left off, I was talking about um, working on my ears and starting to develop uh, compositional ideas, um, but mainly from the point of view of being a pianist and the point of view of playing uh, solo piano, playing with trios and playing in the rhythm section with what you call jazz bands and groups and that kind of thing. And so what I'm going to talk about today, and this is kind of interesting, we're going to go from a piece I wrote this year, um, end of summer, fall, I finished this, 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 um, that's called Get Down, by the way, that's last movement. I'm interested in kind of, a, it's not the first time I've done a rhythmic type of thing like that that's funky. That's titled Get Down. We're going to go back uh, now in time to 1992. And why? Because we're going to give a listen to the very first orchestra piece I ever wrote. I would have been 24 years old. And there's a kind of a story here. I was sort of um, finishing up my studies at piano and playing, as I said, around Boston, playing at groups. And, you know, I sort of felt like, um, you know, I was very, I was very, you know, I, I had a lot, I had a lot of um, really, um, I think, special kind of one of a kind opportunities and experiences because I got to see, for example, I was in George Russell's ensemble and part of George Russell working with him, we got to actually do gigs in Boston under his direction. But part of the joy of George Russell um, is that, you know, he, he wrote for, he wrote for and worked with John Coltrane and Bill Evans, you know, and he would talk about them and he would talk about the fifties and the sixties. And so it was great hearing those stories on the classical side of things. I got to meet Oliver Messian. I saw him do a, do a uh, seminar on his quartet for the end of time. And so of course I was very interested and writing for more instruments. Now, here's the thing, though. I never really, the only time I did it was in high school, that little piece I wrote, if you recall, for that Lost to History, Lost Forever, for that alto saxophone. It's Randy, wasn't Randy, was, um, I forget the name of the saxophonist's name. I'm sure he'll, hopefully he'll contact us and kind of say, what was me? Um, any event, um, I met a composition teacher and a composition, composition kind of music guru who was very, prolific. I mean, this guy wrote, this guy could write a symphony in a week, you know, he had that kind of mind. And his name was Tom McKinley or Thomas McKinley. And I liked him for a couple of reasons. Um, I liked him because he was interested in tonality, as I was and am. And so he was kind of somebody who was very, um, I don't know if adamant is the word, but his music was was not, you know, was not atonal or non-tonal. And um, and also he was able to get me gigs um, writing for really, really interesting ensembles. And he said to me, you know, you need to, Mitch, you need to write for orchestra. And we're going to record it. We're going to record it in Poland, Warsaw. Was it Warsaw? No, it was Katowice. It was an industrial town in Poland. And Katowice, I think it was a Katowice um, radio orchestra. Now you have to say this is 1992, first orchestra piece. And 
I thought, well, what can I do for orchestra? Came up with the idea. Um, do, you, do you folks know, I'm not the person to play it because I'm rusty, but the Minute Waltz by, by Chopin, sort of a D flat major, um, kind of a, kind of a uh, you know, little waltz. It's opus, it's like, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's opus 64 vowels. And so, you know. That, that, that piece. Um, now, notice something about the harmony. Now, Chopin deserves his own episode. I'm not the person to do it. Ashkenazi is not with us, I don't think, and, and, and Rubinstein and those kind of, those cats, they would be the person to, to do. But I did study Chopin very deeply. And I thought, well, I'm going to write a three-minute waltz based on, except this is what I did. start with the motif that Chopin used. And I said, I'm going to do a contemporary, I'm going to try to write for orchestra the kind of har the harmonic language I like and the kind of, um, you know, the kind of uh, stuff I had been doing in, in the jazz world, jazz field. And I'm just going to totally go for it. I'm not going to, to um, be, um, what's the word? hemmed in or constrained by stuff people had done before. So I'm going to have a European classical setting, an orchestra. I'm going to play it for you right now. I'm going to cue it up. But this is, um, this is the score. Three Minute Waltz, 1992. Um, it's very, it's, it's, it, I don't quite make three minutes. I think it's two minutes and 30 seconds or something, 38 seconds, but. You can see here, this is before digital, digital, um, digitization of uh, scores and software. I hope everything's clear. Usually my producer kind of, um, I say hi to the producer, Laurie, and sort of uh, hope everything. So I'm gonna try to cue this up here. Now, I'm, I'm, ex I'm, ex I'm sort of um, trying to realize in an orchestral setting the kind of um, harmonic style that I really like. And it's the very, it's the very, if you recall my meeting with Samuel Adler, he said, don't do this. It doesn't belong in the classical world. It belongs in the club or, you know, or only improvise. I said, no, I'm going to write what I want to write. And Tom McKinley, he gave me a lot of freedom. I did with a lot of years doing able to be part of projects that he sort of engineered he was kind of a very um very crafty i would say very well he's very prolific musically more than i you know some people are just gifted that way they just write very fast and he was one of them but also he was able had a lot of connections to the music world the classical world and so i was like my work was done at wigmore hall in london this was my my i think my flute sonata Chamber. We'll get into all that today. We'll get into, I mean, not all of it, but at least as much of it that's that's appropriate. But let's try to find this minute, this three-minute waltz. And I apologize if the audio is not the most clear, but um, we'll uh, we'll uh, 
see, we're in a new world now of, of things like this, right? We're kind of into this new world. It's interesting. Uh, I think I'll just put it here. I should probably do that digital score. You know how the YouTube videos are very slick with the, the software and the score. And I'm not, I'm not going to, um, I'm going to follow along, but you're going to just um, use your ears and kind of, kind of, let's see here what, what we got. Well, that's the um, that's the three-minute waltz, and it's got that same um, hold on here. Uh oh, it's ominous, ominous. Um, so it has that same perpetual motion thing of the waltz. You know, the kind of the um, like a carousel that Chopin was doing. But if you, if you listen, the harmonies are totally um, an, a whole other thing. 
And you know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because I have um, it's very compact and it has kind of you know. Let's see here. So if this is the mo motif, uh, I also quoted this other Chopin waltz. I quoted that one, and I also quoted um, some other things. I also. Um, We have this. These are things that, that were not available. Well, they weren't um, in the in the pra common practice of the 19th century. Um, you know, and so this kind of. Kind of the cowboy western kind of Copeland feeling. I put that in there for a little, you know, jauntiness and kind of just trying to really writing, writing from my feelings as, you know, uh, the music that I love and wanting to write that language for the orchestra. And so I think it works as a three minute waltz. Um, so, um, after that, I started doing more ambitious projects. Um, if we if we want to if we want to talk about harmony a little bit, I got a little little um, thing here that um, this is from John Adams' uh, memoir, and he writes a lot in here about music, of course, and harmony. But he has a little a little. Um, Um, let's see here. Well, first of all, he talks about some of my favorite cats. He talks about, you know, he says, I was struck by the fact that the harmonic essence of the early popular American composers like Gershwin, Cole Porter, Rogers, and Ellington was not, not all that different from the chromaticism of the late romantic composers. Well, that's true. He goes on to talk about um, John Coltrane. and, and um, But he says something, he sort of, um, John Adams, a composer of Nixon in China, and he has a work coming out this year, I think, a kind of a major, a major, um, uh, uh, a new premiere, I think. I think I posted about it on Facebook. But he says, direct quote, Forging a, a personal harmonic language has always been the essential challenge for a composer. While there are many other elements that contribute to a composer's uniqueness, the rhythmic drive, the sense of color, the contrapuntal density, the ability to evoke uh, atmosphere, even the melodic profile, none is as critical as the harmony. Therein lies a work's essential genome, the identifying DNA that gives it character and makes it special and memorable. Now, that's interesting. So I wasn't far off in, in focusing on that, trying to find my own language. Um, and of course, that's all, um, none of it really comes from me. It's all things from um, uh, people that I, that I, that I, who I was inspired by, who I loved, uh, teachers, older music, traditions, things that came before me, and I just want to contribute to it. So 
Here's an interesting thing. I wrote a chamber concerto um, that I had that I had um, premiered in New York, New York City, I think, as well as I uh, never got a proper recording of it, but um, it's called Night Creatures. And it has like three different movements. Now this is a chamber piece. So it's sort of, um, let's see, what was it? You know, clarinet, forget what the instrumentation was. It was like violin, clarinet, piano, um, flute, kind of, a, kind of a, a, little, a little ensemble, chamber ensemble. And I got an idea. I was always, you know, I'm always influenced by non-musical things, you know, like um, movies and novels and poetry and theater and just life experiences and things. Uh, even though I don't think music is representational at all, or at least not, in, at least not with any specificity. Um, it's, it's a little more abstract than that. I do, I am inspired by lots of things. And so um, I wrote Night Creatures when I was about, if I was 24 with the three minute walls, this would have been 26, 27, I think. And um, I was really at that time for those years interested in certain kinds of horror movies. And so I thought, well, how can I create a very, this is the question, philosophic, practical question. How can I create this kind of really feeling of emotional tension or suspense or foreboding, but within a tonal context? Now, in other words, without, you know, without having it be... <laughs> like that but it'll have a little bit approaching the emotion of that but only approaching it not fully you know staying and there's a lot of you know this idea of expanded tonality because tonality could be of course you know you know they have all kinds of um i'm improvising here so i don't know really fully what i'm doing but um um, I came up with this idea of, you know, well, you'll, you'll, I'll play a little bit of the piano parts in the part. So this is the, this is the first movement and it's, um, the entire piece, by the way, is dedicated to anybody awake during the night. So that was, the, that's the subtitle. So. recognizable harmonic, you know, harmonic um, system. But somewhere, I'm not going to play this piece. I'm just going to, so we have that, we have that kind of. 
You can see it's uh, really gothic, and it's got that kind of, um, uh, you know, that feeling. And, you know, I don't, I don't normally, you know, I really don't write that way much anymore. I don't write that way at all, really. I mean, I sort of, I, I, you know, it's kind of interesting, but I'm, I'm, if you can hear I'm developing, so there's a passage like this. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to... suggests you know um so e flat minor now that's what i would call functional tonalities a function The kind of um, coloristic tonality, or I don't know what to call it, um, I call it not less functional, is using, you know, but you can do this.
create a feeling or a mood that's not tied to, um, you know, the, what people think of when they think of traditional harmonic. And I'm just, and of course, that's completely improvised, so it hasn't really been worked out by me, not even before this this episode. So. Um, I got the opportunity to write a piano concerto. Um, I got to play it at Lincoln Center. So this is the this is Lincoln Center. And it's a, a concerto for improvised uh, jazz piano and orchestra. And I started getting the idea of what if I wrote, what if I uh, divided up my score and had some things be totally written and then other things be totally improvised. And um, I think that would be, um, I think that, you know, I worked out, uh, you know, again, it's um, the influence of the big bands. I was trying to write things. So if you can see here, um, look at the score here. Here it is. I'm just gonna play the solo. I'm gonna play a little bit, not the not the recording, but I'm gonna kind of. This is a, from the second movement, and it's um. It was written for Antonio Carlos Jobim. That's the that's who it's dedicated to, and so again, we're back to some of that um, sort of more moody kind of stuff. So. From, that comes from Maurice Ravel, of course. That's from his, his control. I mean, it's not a direct steal, but it's, but it's sort of the idea of, um, because I have. Have... 
and so on. Um, I'm, at, I'm, I'm trying to write, I was trying then to write in this uh, piece, um, something right at the breaking point, it's right on the edge. And it's kind of a, you kind of wonder, is there a lease? Well, yeah, I go, so is there a release for the listener? <laughs> Also, like the, so, you know, I, it, you know, that was so many, so many years ago, and I listen, I play that now, and I listen to it. I'm thinking, well, you know, um, so what I'm, what, what I'm doing now is I'm actually, um, I'm actually interested in pulling back from that kind of density, and right now I'm writing very lean, much leaner music. And I'm you know, interested in exploring different things. And then that's, you know, writing concertos. Um, here's something else I'm going to play for you. I got to, I got opportunity to write for two, a double concerto. Flute and clarinet. And they were two really of the best, the best. So Richard Stolzman, clarinet. My friend I was close to him at that time, Mike Feingold, flute. And I was able to, you know, write very virtuosic music for them. And this would have been, let's see, 1998. I have to find it here because I don't know. Where am I? Um, let's see here. Here we go. Finally. Is it queued up? No, it isn't.
So that, all that was written out for them. That's not um, that's not improvised. It's all written. Those parts are written. And as you as you can hear, I'm starting to get a more into popular uh, popular language and ideas. Much much more. That that was 1998, 99. So, and then we're. I decided, you know, I. I um, I stopped, uh, you know, at that time I, I was, was, you know, not uh, writing as much uh, for larger ensembles. I thought, well, why don't I go back to piano? Why don't, I thought, why don't I just do solo piano music of my own creation that's partly improvised and partly written? I said, I'll call it hard listening. I did this, I did this, um, this um, album, just album. Um, produced this album. And I did there's two there's two volumes. This is volume one, and it's um a kind of really an extension of what I was doing with the orchestral things. It was really, um, but more. It's an extension of that, but a little more. Um, I think unafraid. On my part, in other words, so you know, it's kind of uh, the willingness to embrace embrace what you love and what you do. And it's interesting. It actually connects to something I'm, I just wrote about this very issue about embracing what you love and what you know and kind of basically, you know, working with that. That's your, that's your tools. And so that's kind of a, there's a... Um, Um, this is one of the, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember what this is called. I think this is called, um, I forget, I forget what the, what the, I'm going to play it here. Cause I'm at the piano. I might as well play the, play the thing. Um, oh, this is called crossover hit. Um, and it's, um, again,
I went off on a totally different. That's actually, you know, I stopped, I stopped playing what I recorded and just now did, got an idea to do something different. But anyhow, I'm using, so, so musical styles, musical styles, plural language. So That's a um, harmonic motion that um, Harold Arlen used in Come Rain or Come Shine, right? But Harold Arlen, Harold Arlen was tricky. He does. He does. So that part of the song, or those two or three measures, are they're like little um, they're they're what do I call them? So I, I the idea of hard listening music is that the entire scope of the music is made up of these little gestures that have been done a million times by composers in Hollywood and in the Brill building and in Burbank studio and Hollywood, you know, and Broadway. And, you know, I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting to create a music where all the motifs and all, you know, all the, the um, raw material is, are the very things that Samuel Adler told me not to do. And can you transform that? And can you, I thought, well, it makes sense to me because I sort of figured that's, that's what I've been doing. So, you know, uh, the piece I opened up with that, you know, you know, those are, you know, uh, that's from dance music, you know? So I kind of had this, um,
I'm sorry, there's a lot. I'm improvising now. And I'm sort of making this up. But that's kind of an I that piece of uh, spontaneous improvisation is actually um, in keeping with this hard listening idea. Now, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of fun, and you know, I've written a lot of music. I mean, I have. Um, I wrote something for um, Laurie Strickland uh, called Ruby Lorraine's, um, the, our producer, about her car called Ruby, Lorraine, Ruby Lorraine's, Lorraine's Dream Car. It gets a tune-up, I think it was called. And that's actually the similar kind of dance. Um, well, you'll, you'll hear it. It's up. out of dance music and dance music of the late 70s early 80s you know and um but you know when you when, you, when i write something i always have to have dramatic contrast so if i have something like that i got to do something you know that's con really contrast I can go on like that for some time. I'm gonna get a drink some of this coffee here. Um, so I've covered a lot of ground, I think, today. When I was 24, 1992, first orchestra piece, my development of this piano, solo piano style in the mid, I think it starts. When did I develop that? I think it was 20, 
you know, it was, it was actually uh, the year that my father died. So it was 2011 that I actually started working on that. And because I wrote a piece, I wrote an elegy piece for him that was on my first hard listening um, uh, based on his favorite song. I love the song, but um, song about reincarnation, you know, Rogers and Hart, where, where, when. Kind of re could have, my dad thought it was a reincarnation song. but um, And so that's what, that's now going on 10 years because now 2022 and, you know, I'm going to continue to do it. And I have this new, if there's any string quartets out there, I'd love to do this piece with you. You know, I'm going to digitize it and have a, have a digital score for everybody and um, be nice to do it. So you can only write so much. I'm a slow writer. I don't write a lot of music. You know, I look, I look, you know, I've written, uh, I just write at the pace that I have to write at, you know, I can't, you know, everybody's, every, it's interesting. Um, it's so, you know, I, I want to say a few things spontaneously about art and what it means and what it is. So there's artists that have to work slowly and they, and they only write a thing a year. And then there's Thomas McKinley, that person I study with, and he was extremely prolific. I dare say he was almost glib, I think. I mean, I, I think he knows a lot of things, a lot I can say about it. But what I mean is that it was a kind of um, effortlessness, you know. He just wrote. That's him, and that's what he did, and that was his thing. And my thing is just slow. It's not, it's not, a, it's not evaluative. In other words, it isn't like slow is, slow is not more profound than fast. Neither is it slow as in mentally challenged. No, it's just slow. Just like some things are fast. Some things are just a burst of energy. You know, like a movie might announce itself to the world. I'm this movie. I'm going to come in. The hero comes in, you know, swaining and comes in strong. And then there's other movies where the hero, hero like the movie Wanda, where Barbara Loden speaks kind of quietly, kind of, kind of speaks in a corner. Different different kinds of people in the world. It just so it has to be different kinds of music, music that's soft, music that's fast, you know? And so I feel like right now I'm going to continue to do things at the pace that's comfortable with, with me, for me. And so it's kind of a, you know, when I do these things, I always leave a bunch of stuff out, but I figure, well, we've been here for about an hour and I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to play a little something, I think probably to close out not too long. And so come up with an idea. Um, Ah, well, this.
Happy New Year and have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks.